0: Welcome to "Getting to the Truth in This Art." I'm your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is interdisciplinary artist Liz Miller. Thank you for coming and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Totally, totally. Um, this is this is great, and I kind of like did a secondary like review of what you do, but I know what I read. I I like to have the artist tell kind of their story and kind of how they want to organize it is there have been instances like, yeah, you do this. Nah, I don't do that anymore. It's like, Oh, uh, my bad. <laughs> um, so could you, as we get into like the beginning of this, um, and we'll have some Baltimore questions and all of that stuff later, but can you just like real quick, maybe as an elevator speech, I suppose, um, describe your work, give us a an, a little bit of a view into what you do and the many things you do. Cause there's a, there's a list of things I read. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different things I'm interested in. Um, I have coined, kind of coined the term hair sculptor. I never heard about it until I coined it. Um, So I sculpt with hair. I use wire. I'm very interested in line in the 3D space. And my father's an illustrator, so it makes sense that I, and I'm also a dance choreographer, so line as it moves through the 3D space is very um, alluring to me to see that movement. And if you've ever um, talked to any choreographers, when they look at their dancers, they're looking at the lines that the body makes. So it kind of adds up for me in that way. Um, Currently, well, for the last four years, I've been making a lot of hair sculptures and trying to understand um, the narrative of the Black body and analyzing it and describing it through works of art, such as my piece called The Hair Garden, where I created these hair plants and every time I show them they're like near a window because they need light, but they don't need light. <laughs> but um just to kind of talk about the varieties within blackness and the different systems that hold down or nourish blackness and all of that. Um, so most recently I just did a film. Um, so I'm expanding and combining my movement and collaboration with movers um, with the hair sculptures. So I have these ceremonial headdresses that my movers will wear. And we've been cleansing historical spaces where black bodies have um, actually gone through, whether it's like slavery, uh, huge slavery events that had happened at those locations that we wanted to yeah. cleanse and we cleanse them with colored smoke, or whether it's um, the corner where Freddie Gray was last seen alive. We went and we cleansed that um, intersection. So yeah, that's what I'm doing
0: definitely the black stuff i am here for it i am here for it um so that's that's great and it's very unique um so in it i like i took a little a little bit of an internet journey i may have seen the etsy page out there i may have seen a few different things out there and uh, i got a little i got a little inspiration for it from it um so outside well I'll, i'll just let you just answer it um what types of projects, like how could you describe them? Like maybe in one or two words, are you attracted to like, yeah, that's odd. I need to be in that. Oh, Hey, that's, you know, food related. I need to do that. So like what, what projects attract you?
1: I mean, I'm into so many things. I mean, I love to cook. I love um, sustainability and like green living. I love, um, I don't know, like farmer's markets, anything absurd and kooky grabs me. I mean, I'm a teaching artist too, so it's like um I prefer to work with kids because kids are strange and they say things that are really <laughs> funny and unexpected and I feel like adults have to try so hard to be funny, but kids are so innately unhindered by societal expectations that they just catch you unaware and I really um am enthralled by that. But sculpture gets me excited. I love um public sculpture like the um Oh God, I'm not even going to remember the name, but the, um, oh, the kinetic sculpture race down at the AVAM that they have every year. And like your, your moving sculpture parade float has to make it through the mud and the hills and the water hazards. And then you have to make it all the way back. And there's like a theme. Like I always go to that (laughs) because it's so weird. And I just like, I celebrate weirdness (laughs) and strangeness and inclusivity. That's all the things that just inspire me. Yeah.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Um, definitely two, two things. The, the, the lines, as you mentioned previously, I remember reading, like, I guess it's, maybe it's a memoir, maybe it's, his autobiography, but, uh, quest love and, he and I share a birthday, so I'm always kind of like, alright, Quest, I get you, man. Yeah, we on the same way, brother. And he was just talking about like circles, like that being the thing that he's always been affixed to. So he's like, it was always like records. And then he's like, oh well, drums are circular. And he's like, math, all of these other things, terrible at. He's like, but circles, that's what, that's how you get me. And I was just like, huh, maybe I'll find my thing. Maybe it's something with recorded audio. I don't know, but that's always kind of the thing that I go after and um i guess second second observation i suppose would be the the thing about kids like yeah they they haven't in my opinion they they haven't been like sullied yet like oh you can't do that or you shouldn't do that that's not how you do that and it's just like it's just like a degree of like freedom and whimsy that they're able to just do and it's not really It doesn't really have a governor attached to it. It's just like, it's just really broad is as broad as their imagination. And I think as you get older, some people can maintain that imagination and maybe expand upon it. And some people just completely conservative, no weirdness. I enjoy the weirdness as well, by the way. Um, I, I enjoy the weirdness. I like combining things that don't really go together sometimes.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, honestly, I feel like the, the act of being an artist is like holding on to those crazy ideas you have, like where did yeah. I come up with cleansing public spaces with ceremonial headdresses and rituals that I made up? That's childish imagination. That's a mad sure. thing that can happen and to make space for ourselves and this embeddedness in us, you know, from our ancestors and unlocking that through a ritual, a ritual that nobody has ever heard of, you know, or, yeah. you know, tapping into all of our faith stories, but all that stuff, I'm like, that's definitely like a preservation of that that inner child who has all these ideas right and like as an adult no you got to sell insurance now and it's like no (laughs) i'm going to create and i'm going to create things that nobody's ever seen before and nobody's ever experienced and i'm going to encourage the inner children of all these adults to believe and to dare to believe in things that we forgot were possible you know
0: yeah i think part of like me getting into doing this and especially in this series and speaking with people who are creatives and who are just kind of carving their own their own lane and you know for the longest time I fell into that whole circle of yeah man this is the career easy path baby let's do it and then realizing that that wasn't the the right path for me it may be at that time or in that way and then as having a and I feel pretentious almost saying it like that imposter syndrome, but I believe it. So it's fine. Like, you know, looking at what I do in a very artistic sort of way that is like, oh, you're having these conversations. You're structuring it in this way. and You want to deliver it in this, this manner. And then having conversations with artists and kind of getting it. And not everyone is able to do that. It's just like, oh, this doesn't speak to me. Well, oh, you, you don't get it. You don't understand it. And too often being in a spot where I have to feel almost like I'm crazy to feel like, all right, I know I'm doing right right now. This is right, because this is this is running counter to uh, what people think I should do.
1: Yeah, um, I would second that. Sorry, <laughs> I just want to jump in on that real quick. We have this, um, I just finished my master's, and we have this thing before we go that they're like, what advice would you give to the other people in your program? And I ended up just saying, if you are not saying to yourself regularly, who do I think I am to make this work? Like, is this crazy? Then you're not pushing the envelope far enough. You should be pushing the envelope far enough that you don't fully understand it as you go when it's a conversation with the work. The work is informing you and you're informing the work and you're having a conversation with it to see what is coming up. Like even when I'm making my work, I don't actually know what we're making, but when I look at the footage, I'm like, this is what's coming up for me. I didn't know that this was in the work, you know? So just like you were saying, like, who do I think I am to do X, Y, Z? you're on yeah. the exact right path because it's an amazing forging of this this journey that you're kind of making up as you go, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think y- you look at change, right? So when I started like getting into podcasts, I think the earliest, the proto Rob recording something was probably at City College 2002, some nonsense where I pull out the microphone And you know how that whole note to self thing, I'm doing that, but using it almost like my yearbook, it's like, you're going to fail. So I don't think I'm going to see you next year. Hey, what do you think about this? (laughs) And I I was, I was recording those things and, you know, doing it for like a couple of years and then letting that kind of go. And I've always been a person that sketched, wrote all of this different stuff, painted all of that different stuff. Right. And. They didn't speak to me as well, and I had those dream killers along the way, and when you're younger, you're a little bit more susceptible to it, but audio has always been one of those things that's been sitting there. So I want to say, like, 2009 was the first year I actually did a podcast, knew that was going to be this, and it was just like, I like talking about the news, I have a unique perspective on the news, and I'm not covering the greatest hits. I'm covering some of these weird, these unique things, these weird news stories, weird crime and things like that. And over the years, I've seen that be like the North Star for it, but Mm. to kind of shift a little bit, but not too much away from what the original intent of it is. So for what you do for your practice and your various practices, how has your uh, practice changed over time? And what could you say attributed to that change?
1: Um, well, I got to be honest, Micah made a big difference in my art. Um, I'm gifted in a lot of different areas and I do a lot of different things. And um, my father is an artist, so I grew up kind of experimenting. And as a teaching artist, that makes me a really great teacher because I know how to do a lot of different things, but I don't do any of them extremely well. Right. And so when you go into a master's program, that's the challenge is to be like, what are you going to try to do extremely well and be known for it? And I didn't know anything that would really satisfy me completely like painting for me gets dull. 2D is not interesting. Sculpture has always been really powerful for me because you can look at something in 3D, you can reach through it, you can experience it. And then movement has always been a part of me. So um, I did a grad program at MICA in the summers. I did um, four summers. And this, my last summer, I've followed a lot of the suggestions. Some, you know, not every suggestion is great. And it's a PWI, I'm not gonna lie they don't get half my work or they ask questions that don't make any sense because they don't have the lived experience of being a person of color. So I'm kind of like, no, 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 maybe yes. So some (laughs) suggestions really panned out and were really fruitful. And the moment my headdresses were being worn by people, and then we tried using smoke bombs and we tried using specific locations where, and I mean, some of these things I came to myself, but uh, and I have a really great mentor um Fabian Lasseur is out of New York she's just really powerful with her um suggestions and titles she suggests and just little nudges in different directions and she's just a really great mentor for me and I also had another mentor um Renee um Vanderstelt through the program and they just helped nudge me the directions I needed to go because I had ideas and I just didn't know well, where do I go from here? These are, this is great work. Nobody else is doing this, you know? Right. Where do I go? And they helped nudge me and then I finally got to film and I was like, you know, this is the healing work that Black people deserve. You know, this is the work that we need to unlock the rest of this magic that is already in us, right? That is hidden, yeah. that is embedded, that has been pushed down by all the messaging we get, the the messaging that is anti-blackness every day. Like whether it's just videos coming up on our feed, right? Telling yep. us, shut up and listen and do this and do that. And it won't happen to you. Yeah, whatever, it will happen to you. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no thing that you can do that will make you the perfect perfect Negro that what, they won't see you as a commodity? He was a person like
0: you. And 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 that's and that's interesting, because one, yes, absolutely. Hard stop, period. You know, everything that you said there and like in, in doing this, I always run into this thing where I'm trying to develop this kind of group. But I'm I'm a very uninterested leader and uh type a personality in that way of like, I I don't care. It's just like, here's something you should do. And I already know I'm right. You know? And that's, that's the way I kind of present it to people in this sphere. Like I've been doing it for long enough and I, I know a fair amount of things. So at one point I kind of, my main account, it's always just my sense of humor. It's memes. It's things I find funny it's observations. And at one point it was, these things coming from these other accounts and I would just repost. And I was like, these have a real weird slant to them. And I was like, these mm. are not black people, but they're saying black things. And this is mm. not adding to it. This is vulturing that what have you. And then I started doing mine and getting much kind of doing my own and writing my own and getting much better feedback in it. And I remember right after, I want to say in May, uh, you know, after George Floyd and I, I'm a six foot four, 300 plus pound black man. So I've always known that I'm a large black man. So I get on, um, I get on like live or something and I'm just stating what my opinion is and what my perspective is and what my experiences are. I've, I had such a drop in followers. So I wasn't saying any of this ignorant like memery and I actually said some real stuff. Nobody wanted to hear that. And then, like, after kind of doing a little bit of a tour and being on other podcasts, you know, I'd be on these different shows. And I think I have crossover appeal. I could be on white shows, black shows, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I had this this dude. He labeled me. And I thought it was really funny. He was like, you know, militant podcaster. I was like, militant? I was like, oh, now I'm just going to be militant now. I was like, you want to a- see a scary black man? You can get one.
1: Right. And what does that even mean, too? Like, I don't know. Yeah.
0: It's, 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 it's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's very complex and sorted.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So that, I, I think it kind of back, back doors into this next question I have um, and you touched on it, but maybe ex- expand if you like, um, what are some of the major themes of your work?
1: Hmm. Um, major themes of my work, obviously the black body, um the conversation surrounding commodity and as far as not not restoring humanity there's always been humanity obviously embedded in the black body but unlocking more of its humanity and unleashing um more I don't, I don't know i'm like not finding my words at this moment but like that that liberation that needs to come from within that doesn't need the permission of the colonizer and to take up space and to take up extra space because it's fucking owed to us and all of that <laughs> um color line richness um, transformation all of these things ritual and ceremony All of that is embedded in the work, even the the pieces that when they're not being worn by somebody, when this headdress is hanging on the wall, it holds space for a body. And so there's ties to ancestry for me when I look at the pieces, even though it's using, you know, modern day fake hair, there's ties, especially in those historical spaces to who walked there. Who was transported over that space that did not have the rights to their own body, didn't have the rights to their own lives or even their own children that would be born. They didn't have the rights to them or their family members and their their livelihoods were stolen for generations and were expected to just pardon those crimes, you know, and that like I just I don't know, I'm a really sensitive person. And so like when I think about it, when I reach out with my heart, I'm like, can we hear their voices? Can we hear their cries? Can we live our fullest lives for them? You know, and to unlock some of that and to and to feel the depth of that, that we've got to push, we've got to strive and we've got to live our fullest lives. And we've got to demand more for the next generation. You know, being a teacher, it always makes me think of my black and brown babies in the classroom and they deserve more. Like, I don't want to read a headline about any of my children. You know, yeah. I see them thrive. I want to see them like, dang, someone, so has a company, <laughs> my baby, you know, like that's what I want to <laughs> yeah. feel. I don't want to see some headline and be like, oh my God, I got to go visit so-and-so yeah. in prison and I got to see what happened and I got to see if I can help. And, you know, and a lot of times you can't help because you're not in their tight circle, you know? So, yeah. yeah.
0: So in that, um, and again, I, 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 you're answering perfectly, um, and you're actually kind of like covering. You're, you're, you're cheating. You're, you're going ahead. You're answering other questions. So, I uh, <laughs> <I> co- <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe in maybe in a couple of words, what role does the artist have in society? Hmm.
1: You know, I gotta be honest with this one. I think the artists have a role that they want to have for me. Um, I had somebody call me this the other day and I was really surprised by it. They called me a priestess and I like one don't like the even close to the name priest, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I was like, hold on. But a spiritual person, cause I, I am a dancer, but I don't put myself in my films currently. And I collaborate with people, I facilitate, I bring them together, I create art with them, I try to nurture them, I try maybe the work is healing, maybe it isn't. I wouldn't call myself a healer in any way, but um Yeah. That's my answer.
0: Oh yeah. Uh so let's let's maybe shift it to Baltimore a little bit, because this is a Baltimore podcast and <laughs> You have a unique perspective because you've been here for a while. However, you have relocated here. So why Baltimore? And answer that however, whether it be I decided to move here and then I decided to, to stay here or yeah, the art scene here is on fire. It's lit. I don't know why I said it like that, but
1: all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I ended up here and I ended up kind of falling in love with the city and getting to know the city. I even moved to DC for like two years and came back and um, not being from here, I think gives me a unique look at the city and to kind of see it objectively um, my own hometown. I don't see that way. I, you know, don't have the objective lens at all. And when I go back, I'm like, Whoa, this place <laughs> is up, you know, I love Baltimore for being just honestly so black That's what I love about Baltimore is that, like, I looked it up the other day. I was like, well, how rare is that? Like, Baltimore is one of the top (laughs) five blackest cities in the U.S. I just like saying it like that. I could have said it. But I just think that's so exciting because I think the national average is something like 9%, you know, and then, like, our city is, like, 62%. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that is fire. Because if you ever want to know the pulse of the culture, it's gotta happen in cities like this. Like you get it in other cities, but it's diluted, it's oppressed, it's ostracized, it's othered in so many ways. And like, in Baltimore, like I remember Rachel Dalzell tried to bring her ass to our book festival and we were like, <laughs> bring your ass on. We gonna get you. <laughs> like how <do> you like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And try to come to our city and Bopa had to shut it down. Bopa was like, sorry, we messed up. We had to cancel her trip. Like, cause they were like, <laughs> we need to hear all voices we were like not hers no we don't but i just love about baltimore like the realness is so powerful and vivid and it's not pretentious or fake in any way that i feel um and it makes me question any biases that i have and it makes me confront um and and change my thinking and want to be a part of that changing of thinking for other people as well which i'm trying to do in my life
0: Yeah. One of the things I get very like I've been here for forever, for all 35 years. I had to say like it's a trap song. And uh, every now and again, I'll have friends who are black and do the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, or not not even that, not even to color color it, just I'll have friends and we may go out of town and someone will notice. It's like they can't really pick out what my accent is. So they'll ask, They know, I'm not from wherever I'm traveling to. And then my boy, whoever it is, it has been multiple of my friends, they'll chime in. Every from Baltimore, I'm like, you're from the county. You're, you're like, don't try to co-op because I've been in the city with you. You're terrified. I go through the druggy areas. I go through mm-hmm. the hard areas because I've lived in them all and I don't care. And, and that's the, that's the thing that I kind of just look at and it's like you, because of, because of the reputation, we have a I think the reputation, and people don't really acknowledge it, but you touched on it. we're a very authentic city mm-hmm. and we're a very black city, so that black authenticity is just like stamp of approval, so people will attach themselves to it, but then try to sneak this on the back end. yeah, it's Baltimore. It's so like get out of here. We ain't trying to hear it like at one point i um was trying to expand and collaborate with other podcasters, and yeah, you know, I had this white dude that wanted to. Hey, can you bring your network over? You got some good content. I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that, but I'll do a show with you, and maybe, you know, after a little time, maybe it works. We'll see. So we did a show, me and my my co-host, we did a show for a while, and we sold out, but we knew we sold out. Even the picture for the show, we just had, like, the shit-eating grins on our face because we knew what we were doing. We did it purposely, and I've already done the sellout game. I was like, not doing it again. It makes me sick. So, when Freddie Gray and the, the, when Freddie Gray happened and the follow up responses to it, we had one person who was on this network. It wasn't the lead guy, the white dude. It was some, like, um, she was this, um, Puerto Rican woman in New York. And I started just kind of going through her, you know, her, um, her Facebook, you know, it's say like, all right, you know, a hmm, lot of motorcycle here, a lot of motorcycles here, a lot of leather jackets. All right, then cool. And she just kept going in on Baltimore heavy. Ooh. So I was like, look, when that race war happens, you and I look very similar. You're not going to be accepted. Don't forget that shit. And suddenly I get this long email about how I just don't play well with others and they had to drop my show from their network. I was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, you're not going to like take shots. I'm like, I'm, I'm here for my city always. Um, yeah. And that's the type of people that I rock with, especially people who make the choice of coming here and staying here despite whatever goofy reputation that we have. And just seeing that we got a lot of unique people here. We got a lot of just it's no places, no place is the same as Baltimore. Right. You're not going to find anything similar. So describe a um, memorable response that you've had to your that someone's had to your work.
1: Hmm. That is a great question.
0: (laughs) I try to have a few good ones. Yeah.
1: We'll take a couple seconds and think about that one.
0: Yeah, sure. I'll I'll do a fake commercial. So, no. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Is, uh, usually, like, I I think, and this is padding, I I, I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, when you're, when you're an artist, sometimes people, just do it because they're driven to do their work, whatever their work is and they're not doing it for other people. But sometimes when you get that, wow. Okay. You really like what I do. Okay. That's, that feels good. That feels, that feels great. And you get that extra layer. Like yeah. as long as I've done this or even the comic that I write and all of that stuff, when someone goes through it and they look at it and they have like a certain response that they feel compelled that they need to like, they may have my number or they may reach out and it's like, look, I'm going to mail you something to show you how much I appreciate what you're doing, or here's some like cash or something to fund that next issue or whatever, or just endorsing it and whatever. That to me is like a dope response.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say, um, you know, I originally had this really amazing social experiment plan for my master's and I wanted to kind of have my performers move throughout a gallery space at Micah into Nancy by snack next door out onto North Avenue and back in and try to transform that space. And I wanted to see where people of color would sit, whether they would sit in the gallery to watch or in Nancy by snack or outside, like where did they feel good about themselves and where did they wish to kind of sit together? Cause the Micah gallery space seems very just off putting in some ways. So (laughs) I made this film instead because of COVID-19 and I got to be honest, the response from, I had like a list of 40 names of like community leaders and people that just inspire me with their heart for the city and trying to make a difference. Because, you know, people complain about Baltimore, but I'm like, what are you doing to make it better? You just sitting there looking at the problem, not saying anything? Like, I'm trying to change tomorrow's youth. I'm trying to make some art. What you trying to do, you know? So these performers or community leaders, I reached out to them because I'm like, I'm not necessarily looking for professional dancers. I'm looking for anybody who's willing to move their bodies, you know, and if you respond to the work and anybody that said, yes, I was just really touched by it because I can't pay them. Um, there's probably not going to be any proceeds from the film. Like it's a master's thesis. I mean, maybe there will be, who knows, but like the fact that they're like this project, is so exciting and I just want to be a part of it really just made me happy because i was like well i gotta do an interview with you i gotta film you you gotta wear this headdress you gotta dance on film hope you're okay with that you know i'm gonna have you out in public and so like i had one guy he ended up being a professional dancer he's doing like these big barrel rolls um (laughs) on the street with passerbys walking by him and he's holding a smoke bomb and it's like going off while he's doing these spiral jumps and wow you know, I'm just, I'm lit up and flattered and honored by those performers that would trust me with their image, but would also be willing to engage in this content and to do it with a headdress on. He literally had to hold the headdress while he was jumping and <laughs> on the other hand. And I was just like, wow, I'm asking a lot. I appreciate you. So.
0: Power- powerful multitasking there. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and, it, and, this will be the last question, and I'll ask you some really rapid fire Baltimore-related questions. We got to we got to check your 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 crab card or whatever we call it here. I don't know what we call it, but um, I, I'll say one of my proudest moments as a um as a podcaster and being in this field or what have you, which still feels so so weird. Um, I. I want to say last year, almost a year to the date, we had our tenth anniversary show, and we were at Big Improv. We did the whole setup, and I organized literally the entire thing from posters to all of the stuff, um, setting up how the show was going to be run. Being on stage the entire time, which I still have a little anxiety about. I'm like, Look, there's a lot of me. I make one little twitch, everyone's <laughs> going to see it. Uh So, so we're we're up there and it just went off without a hitch and it, it was fire. It, it, it was a really good live show. It was everything that I wanted. And the, the only thing that was missing, I'll say, and it wasn't in there, but if like in hindsight, I would have probably added it, um, was something from a previous live show. And I think we've only done like five or six. We tend to not really do them, but I want to do more of them is, um, I want to say it was like maybe Christmas a couple of years back. We did, we're around Christmas a couple of years back and one of my favorite movies. It's really corny. It has his issues, but it's Rocky Four. Uh, you know, and it came out the year that I was born. So I have some predilection towards it and there's a song in it called No Easy Way Out. So at one point I started playing that. And other people that way, the audience started singing. And I was like, this is why I podcast. <laughs> I was very happy and very pleased to be able to geek out briefly and enjoy that really, really corny movie and song. So I say that to say this. what, um, and, and maybe you've already covered it, but what is your proudest moment as an artist?
1: So I would say, honestly, my most recent proudest moment is graduating with a master's degree. Um, I think like when I look at my peers and I look at my mentors and the staff and what we go through um, in a master's program and yeah, and we subject ourselves to the scrutiny of our peers and 45 minute crits and people let you know what's clear, what's not clear and it's opinion in some ways, but it's also objective in a lot of ways. Like if somebody feels that way and they're, I mean, not that education is all that important, but like, if they're an educated person, if you're looking to get into museums, if they're looking into having access to certain spaces, their point of view might actually be, you know, pretty relevant and help you shift your stuff. You'll always have people who are just, um, normal people reflecting on your work and that's gold as well, but it's easier to find those people. So I would just say my most recent being able to cross that finish line felt pretty great. And even making a film, I was just like, I just, made a film that was like really powerful and moving and i want to get it in front of more people and i want to have people reflect on it and i want the good and the bad you know so yeah those two things
0: well congratulations on congratulations on both of those things because those are major achievements
1: thank you appreciate it
0: uh so rapid fire baltimore questions and then some shameless plug stuff for you and you know, I, I'm a little shamed because, you know, my follicles are like it looks like I'm I'm actually bald. But I have hair. So, <laughs> you know, having a conversation with, with a person who's a hair sculptor is very intimidating. Um, <laughs> so rapid fire Baltimore questions, three of them. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you kind of an easy one to start off with. OK, uh, favorite landmark or neighborhood in Baltimore.
1: I got to be honest, Mount Vernon is my favorite neighborhood. I just, I've lived here for probably 15 years and I can't get enough. It's just really beautiful and really inspirational and it's close to everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is actually my favorite one as well. I feel like I get power from that area and it's like, I go down there. It's like, huh, I'm going to do something creative here. I'm going to do something. Yeah. Uh, let's see, let's see the next one. Next question. This is a little bit of a tougher one might be a little bit of, It's it's a point of contention for most people. Mm. Where can you find the best crab cake?
1: I like my answer. Oh,
0: um, boy.
1: I don't really eat crabs, and I don't really enjoy oh. crab cakes. I love seafood. I know, I'm so sorry. But that's why I'm not for Baltimore. <laughs>
0: uh, I grew I up gonna... in
1: Michigan, and you don't eat seafood there. Please don't. <laughs> Unless it's that's... from Lake Michigan, then you're okay.
0: Okay, that's going to be an N.A. Then that's a flag on a play or whatever the terminology is. Uh, go Tigers! I don't know. I don't know what the sports teams are in Detroit, Michigan, in that area. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, <I'm kidding. laughs> it's Lions, right? Um, yeah. Let's see. And uh, lastly, it, hopefully, hopefully you're here for this one. <laughs> okay. I got to take a deep. Got to take a deep breath. Um, this point <laughs> Favorite snowball flavor? Oh no! Best snowball flavor. Best snowball flavor.
1: I guess Blue
0: Raspberry. Huh. Blue Raspberry has entered the chat, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, because... the, I've, I've heard anywhere from the last episode I recorded, I heard one with alcohol, uh, and I was just like, <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. It's like, it's a, a mentioned watermelon with like tequila. I was like, can we get that? Like, where is this at that again? <laughs>
1: That's not the curbside stands.
0: <laughs> oh, it, it is not. Um, the, the go-to that I've been on recently and I, I wasn't on it for a long time until I want to say a, probably last year, I had, I had a conversation with someone who was out of town, we came in from out of town and they were here for Artscape. Mm-hmm. And he, the guy was like, what's the deal with a Baltimore snowball? I was like, sir, I had to stop myself. I had to stop and pause and give him a lecture on what a Baltimore snowball is. <laughs> and I was like, sir, um, I'm going to order for you, uh, just to kind of <laughs> streamline this process, sir. And, and so that's kind of been my de facto. I've been getting this combination of egg custard and coconut. Mm-hmm. And no one is gonna prove me wrong. It is delicious. If you try it, you'll fall in love with it. So that's list, it for me. List.
1: Yeah. I gotta say I'm more of a gelato girl than a snowball, but it's all good. I respect the snowball culture. It's real.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not shave ice, it is it, a snowball. Uh the ice is different. Um so yeah, that's all I had outside of anything that you want to plug, shameless plugs, your movie, mm-hmm. all of your stuff. Yeah. So feel free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say, uh, Liz is the best way to see a lot of my work. Um, as well as my Instagram is pretty lit. I try to update it regularly. Um, so Liz underscore Miller underscore productions, um, on Instagram. I also have a page on Facebook that those who are linked. So whatever you follow that works, um, I will be having, um, my film at a black film festival coming up pretty soon. So you can see it screened there as well as next year. I have a big performance coming up and I'm also working on a project about Nat Turner and his whole journey and filming those sites, which apparently are not being preserved. And so I really want to make a film about that journey. What a bunch of surprises hidden in there. There's some crazy articles. If you just look up Nat Turner, there's some crazy articles about, different things that I plan on investigating and plan mm-hmm. on talking to the surviving family members of not only his line, but apparently with Nat Turner's rebellion, it was pretty much one family. And there's a guy who's a descendant of that family that has, that is a historian. So I'm looking to make a film about all of that and to preserve that history because it's not being preserved in any way. So.
0: That's great. You're doing great things, great work. I am looking forward to learning more. So I want to thank you again for coming on up. Oh.
1: Sorry, one more thing. I'm working on this other venture. <laughs> it's going to be on my website. It's going to be on Liz Miller Productions. But a friend of mine and I, we came across this idea that some other people are doing, but we decided to do it in Baltimore, having uh, dinner conversations about race and you being able to book it, having two people of color there that help guide the conversation, that help ask questions. They provide like a lexicon of a lot of different terms. And if you're a person... You could be any race, you know, that is interested in talking about race in a safe manner. Yep. It could Mm -hmm. be, you know, if you're like, well, I live in an insular society and I want to ask a lot of questions, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't have anybody I have access to. Come to one of our dinners and ask all the questions you want. And there'll be a lot of discussion and you can make it a a yearly thing, a yearly thing that you do where you bring friends and you're like, let's talk about race in a safe way with two people of color that are being paid for their emotional labor. So, (laughs)
0: That's, that's great. It reminds me of a bit that I had to do on a podcast when, uh, one of my friends asked me, he's like, so from, as a black guy, and I was like, huh, so this is where we start off at. I was like, can we just call this segment encyclopedia black? Because I'm had to give you everything that you need to hear. And he's just like, yeah. I was like, so you're, you're paying me, right? The cash app is this. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's how it was. But, um, yeah. So again, that sounds great as well. And I am looking forward. I'm follow I follow this. Thing uh but yeah uh looking forward to it and I, again i want to thank you for coming on to the podcast this has been a treat a Pleasure. and to be. yeah so f- for um for Liz miller i am rob lee and this has been getting to the truth of this art